welcome High Falutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 125. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's going on? Not much, man. I tell you what, I was a little angry today, this this afternoon when we started talking, because uh, I've been having a little electronic issues in my house, and uh, I think everything's back to normal now that I'm having a beverage and a... Uh, are doing you, a podcast. Are you using pliers to open your beer? Yep. <laughs> construction hey. and what thing I have available? A nice pair of pliers. It's looks like a Leatherman or something. <laughs> hey, it worked pretty good. You do what you got to do. One of the things. Um, this is before the podcast even starts. We'll talk about this. Uh, me and Andrew were out in Utah on a a ski vacation a couple of years ago. We were in Park City. And it was one of those days, like, you know, like there's certain things you don't think about when you're skiing. And it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, I just want to get some beers and go back to our room and just hang out and drink them in the room. And I went to the local little corner store there in Park City and I grabbed a couple bottles and came back to the room. And I was like, oh, crap, I don't have a bottle opener. And, you know, the first thing you do is you sort of like Googling, like, how do you open a bottle without a bottle opener? And what luckily I had a nail clipper in my bag. I know you can use like the table and you can kind of like put the, the cap on there and smack it. That, that seemed a little too violent. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to, it was, I don't want to break the table and have to pay for that or whatever. Um, so I Googled and found out that there was a way to use a nail clipper. So you kind of open the nail clipper you take it and you you kind of turn it and like clamp down on the cap and then twist it and pull it up. And you kind of go around doing that. You can top off that way. Nice. Now, I was so jonesing for that beer. I actually was like, like shaking when I was doing it. And my entire <laughs> knuckles were just cut up from the, the edge of the, of the cap. And I just... Not careful. It wasn't... I, I couldn't be careful. I wanted that beer so goddamn badly. But then the second one I opened hers, it was like perfect. It took me like three, three good like clamp twist pulls and it was off and there was no blood, no problem. So, and I will recommend if you bring flip flops with you on your ski vacation, get a pair of those reefs that have the bottle opener in the bottom of the flip flop, because that's, a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a double win right there. You got flip flops with you and you got a bottle opener. So it's been pretty easy. You can do it too with a, um, a screwdriver. But who's bringing a screwdriver on vacation with them? You usually have something pointy, screwdriver or something. All you do is you put that point in in the those little folds that they have, and you start popping them, and eventually you get enough off that you just pop it right off. Yeah. So you always, ways. We, we provide lots of valuable insight on this podcast. So thank you everyone for checking us out. You can find us at skibumpodcast.com. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. We are available on all the socials, twitter.com slash podcast, facebook.com slash podcast, instagram.com slash podcast. We're on Pinterest as the Highfalutins, and we're also on SoundCloud as highfalutin-skibum. If you can, please go to your favorite uh, podcast app and rate us and subscribe. That would really help us out. So thank you. It's time for our pray today. And that, Mario, what did, you, what did you use that screwdriver or that plier to uh, to delve so, into? So I use my uh, handy 
uh, long nose um, vice grips to open up my Kona Big Wave Golden Ale. So uh, I kind of like, uh, I usually do the Kona uh, Big Wave. Uh, I mean, uh, the Kona Longboard. But uh, I saw the Big Waves and I was like, you know, that seems a little more summery, seeing it's it's been like 90 degrees out. I think it's uh, pretty appropriate. Yeah, summer's definitely hitting everywhere now. Uh, now, what kind of beer is that? Is that a, a lager you said? Uh, I know the long, the longboard I thought was a lager. This one, of course, I don't have my glasses on. That's another. Uh, let's see. This is, I thought it was more like a Pilsner, but it might be a lager. I don't know. Somebody's going to curse me, say that I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't read it. I just grab the beer and is I it drink delicious? it. And it it's delicious. It hits a spot. It's a little lighter and that's what matters. It uh it tastes more like a pilsner, but um now what exactly is the difference between a pilsner and a lager? We know it's either the hop because the lager is the lager style, so it definitely is a little bit danker. Yeah. Um let's see, the big wave is a a golden ale. So this is an ale as well. Okay. Um, smooth, easy drinking, refreshing caramel nut notes. Now the longboard is the Island lager and that's made differently in the traditional lager style. Now I don't know what they mean by the lager style. Well, here we go. Lagers are beers made with bottom fermenting yeast. Ales are made with top fermenting yeast and pilsners are a type of lager made hoppy and light and clear and hopefully with a beautiful white head using pilsner malt and usually noble hops. Huh. So I guess it's the type of malt that it uses. This is a top hop. The other one is a uh, bottom, bottom feeder. Bottom feeder. Yeah. There you go. All right, cool. So now we know. But this is, uh, I tell you what, this hits the spot. On a nice hot day, this would hit the spot. Um, like I said, not too, not too heavy, not too, uh, not too beefy. Um, 4.4 ABV. So you could drink a ton of these in a day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How Actually, about you? What's that? How about you, Brian? Oh, so I'm going back to an old favorite. I, I went into my fridge and I just realized how much good stuff I still have from my recent, well, a few months ago trip now to Vermont. So I am partaking in good old Lawson's finest liquids, sip of sunshine. What good favorite. Oh, it's a classic. It's just, you know, a light. Well, it's not that light. It's kind of a, it, it drinks lighter than it should be for an eight percenter. Uh, it's just crisp. It's clean. It's got a, you know, a lemony kind of flavor to it. A little bit hoppy. It's just, uh, it could be the perfect double IPA. Let's be honest. It's still one of my favorites. Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So that's what I got. Nice. Very nice. All right. Now we got some stuff to talk about while we're out praying. Um, so I know we found um, a nice little article here. The Idiot's Guide to Summer Beer Drinking. Um, so... Uh, I love the way it starts off. It's saying, stop pretending you're sommelier or Cicerone or whatever. Was it Cicerone or whatever? I have no idea what that is. Put away the snifter. Here are some summer beers that showcase utility, drinkability, drunkability, and refreshment. So they go through um, some of the beers that they're recommending. Uh, Sierra Nevada Otrevez, 
Uh, you know, it's a Gosa, and that's I've had this before, and it's just not not my cup of tea. But I could see it for drinkability. It's a uh, Gosas are a little bit um, definitely a little bit lighter. I think we were talking about the sours and the Gosas not too long ago. How they're just uh, a little bit. Uh, actually, went to a brewery um, this weekend. Actually, Pintenberg, I went to, and we were trying a bunch of them, and they had some ghosts. And we were talking about how, like, you know, they're a little bit on the sour side, a little bit easier drinking. Uh, then there's Yunling traditional lager, good old favorite. This surprises me. This yeah. this seems like it's people who are outside of the Northeast who ha- see this everywhere. Yeah. Um, I actually have a case of it from last summer that I'm trying to get rid of. And luckily we have a, uh, we're throwing a surprise party for someone at our house in a couple of weeks. So uh I plan on trying to get rid of, I have a bunch of Sam Adams and a bunch of Yingling, which I'm trying to get rid of. So perfect. (laughs) Not that anything's wrong with either of those beers. They're wonderful beers. It's just when you got heady and sip in the fridge, you kind of can look down on the Yingling and the Sam Adams. See, I'm not a big fan of Yinling. I just don't like the... Uh, I'm not a big lager flavor guy. I don't know what it is. I don't like that bottom feeding stuff. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's a little too dank for me. Just, I don't know. Something about the, the after thing. I'm not a big fan of. Um, okay, Wild Heaven Emergency Drinking Beer. So it's a Georgian craft beer that, be the, that appears to be the only in the area for the time being, I guess, from the person that was writing it. Um, so they're saying they were less than impressed with the Pilsner S with it, with it. Cause it's a Pilsner S session ale. Um, but eh, not a raving review from the person writing it. So I'd say, eh. uh, angry or orchard cider house collection, the muse. Uh, I've actually heard about that one. That's, uh, haven't had it. About um, 15 bucks a bottle. Yeah. That's pretty wild. It's like a champagne. So they're saying it looks and tastes like champagne, but it's uh, bottled like, you know, a uh, bottle of the cider. Interesting. Uh, Bell's Oberon. Um, and this one I've heard before. Yes, it's hyped. It's good. Uh, and I don't see the problem. That's what they are saying. They're saying eight ninety nine for a sixer, which is about normal, 5.8%. Uh, Ballast Point Watermelon Dorado. This I got to find and search out. Thirteen ninety nine for a sixer. 10%, which is a, a nice, uh, beefy, beefy bunch. Um, now they're seeing the pineapple sculpin, which is still one of my favorite beers in the entire world as well. Uh, definitely not as high as Sip sunshine, but I tell you for the summer, I always think of pineapple sculpin and that's the one that I always buy every time I see it. So by the end of the summer, I have like a stockpile, um, just cause I I'll go out and just keep buying it. Yeah, I like the I like the grapefruit sculpin, but I mean, let's yeah. be honest. Let's you know we've talked about these big breweries, you know, buying up the craft, you know, craft breweries, and Ballast Point has definitely been a victim of that. Their yeah. their beers are not nearly as good since they got bought up. A yeah, years ago, they do have yeah. some sort of a tropical sculpin. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. No, no, I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. I know the pineapple sculpin. I think it came out last year, year before. Last year I collected it. It had a watermelon. It had the, a watermelon, but it wasn't a watermelon Dorado. I think it was a different one. Do they have a watermelon Sculpin? I'm not sure. Um, they had, there was another flavor that I saw. It wasn't a Sculpin. It was a, because um, the grapefruit, I'm not a huge fan of because I think it's a little too sweet. 
for me. Um, they had another one, a different flavor. I forgot which it was. I got it. I was like, yeah, it wasn't too bad. But I'm trying to find a really good watermelon beer. Hell or high watermelon. Hell or high watermelon is good. I don't love the wheat beers. It's, I don't like the wheat in it, but it's all right. That one's, and they're so light too. Those are great for just having at the beach, you know, and just like pounding like six of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got to try this watermelon Dorado. I've seen it before. I just never wanted to commit to a whole six pack of it. But, you know, there's a lot of places around where you can kind of make your own sixer and that might be a, a nice one to give it a whirl on. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of fun summer beers out there. And I, I just got a couple of, couple of nice ones that I might try over the next few weeks. Um, one is from the Traveler Beer Company, the Shandy folks. Nice. And then one is from the Bronx Brewery. So, Dude, the um, Bronx Summer is one of my favorite. That's the one it is. Uh, dude, I've been drinking the shit you like that one? years. Yeah, I found it at the, um, right next to the Port Authority. Um, Beer Authority? Beer Authority is where I first had it. And that was before I found it in stores. Now you can find it in stores. I tell you what, I had it on draft. It was great. I, I started drinking that, I got to say, three years ago. And then they started, um, I started finding it in bottles and can't, uh, I think bottles, um, two years ago. I started finding it more places. They started distributing more. So the last two years, I've been drinking that every time I see it. I used to have it at a place near near me. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty it's good. Solid. I was, I, I enjoyed it. It was nice. Hey, I'm born, born in the Bronx. I drink the Bronx. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Got another story here while we're still at Prey today and uh, if anyone's been following the NBA finals this past year, you'll know that the Golden State Warriors swept the Cleveland Cavaliers. So a nice snarky San Francisco <laughs> brewery decided to create a beer based on said events. Uh, Bear Bottle Brewing Company decided to make a beer called LeBron Tears, which is an IPA, a hazy IPA. Um, and they, uh, they tweeted out a picture or they sent an Instagram picture out of a, you know, tulip glass. It's pretty funny. It is a 6.5% ABV. It's a hazy IPA. And they, they wrote little known fact, KD, Steph and clay take opposing teams, hopes and dreams and turn them into a soul crushing three pointers. We took the tears from Sir James's game one loss and distilled them into a hazy IPA just for you. We also decided that t- tears pair well with mosaic hops. <laughs> oh, I like how they have a little figurine of them next to the... Yeah, on like a cantaloupe. <laughs> some hops. Yeah. That's awesome. It's pretty, cool. it's pretty awesome. So, yeah. So if you're out in the San Francisco Bay Area, you can maybe check out some bare bottle LeBron tears. And, uh, I'm sure they're very, very salty and delicious. Looks like his junk is quite prominent in this action figure. Hey, he paid somebody for that junk. Somebody uh, had to prove it. Yeah. Sorry, man. I can't approve this, this figurine. My junk ain't big enough. Yo, dog. I like that action figure, but you know what? My junk is not being represented properly. Hey, I would. Same thing. We had high flute and ski bum bobbleheads. I have to make sure things were in proportion. That's true. You want to you want to put on a good show, and you want to uh, you know give the fans what they want. That's right. You got to inspire hopes and dreams. That's right. That's what we're all about here. It's an inspirational figurine. Yes. Next up we got, so this is uh, kind of sh- 
strange, but definitely highfalutin uh, and ends up in a, in a good place. It's kind of so, going from defeat to victory, from LeBron's yeah. tears to this. So Ro- Roger Federer serves up his own champagne. Uh, I actually saw him, I saw him uh, playing, I think it was last weekend on TV, of course. Uh, and I was like, man, the guy is still not lost a step. He's still, he's still hitting it, man. Um, so he teamed up with Moet and Chandon and to make an exclusive $24,000 bubbly. So well, $24,000 for a goddamn bottle of champagne, $24,000. So, um, it only comes in Magnums and there's only 20 bottles that are going to be available worldwide. So, um, they partnered with, and they're taking the concept of, um, you know, launching this new champagne collection with, uh, um, it's called Christian greatness since, uh, 1998 and bottled in magnums. So, um, it's a 20 year old bubbly, uh, you know, made from 20 old, you know, uh, I guess champagne and, um, the vintage marks, you know, his professional, uh, tennis playing career, um, and eventual 20 grand slam champions, uh, championships. So it's pretty cool. So they're saying it's, uh, you know, the wine itself that's in, in the, you know, the champagne is, um, 40% Chardonnay, 35% Pinot Noir, 25% Pinot Meunier and 14 years on, uh, on the lees before being disgorged in 2013. So they're saying it's a warm brioche wax, acacia honey marzipan and candied fruit flavor they're saying that's what it they said it's like and and airy it's light and airy as silk bole so they had, they had me at marzipan <laughs> that's Anything it marzipan I'm, I'm in see it's fresh and pure with lingering notes of lemon licorice and spearmint um so they're saying the the package reflects the player of his sport and it has a racket like leather grip around the bottle. So it's a pretty cool looking bottle. Um, and he's, he hand signed, uh, each bottle. Of course there's only 20 bottles. So, um, <laughs> like five minutes, yeah. Five minutes. Like, here you go. I'll sign, I'll sign, I'll put my fingerprint on everyone. How about that? So, uh, they're saying it's a, it's a great tribute to him, but, um, they're actually celebrating, uh, he actually, regained his world number one ranking, uh, at 36. Um, that was not too long ago. Um, and they're saying, you know, they're going to start selling it, um, through, you know, it's a Moet Hennessy boutique. Um, but they're saying, um, the, the good part of this whole thing, while you say it's, you know, $24,000, who's going to buy it. You know what? All the proceeds are going to be going to the Roger Federer foundation. So, Listen, we have two bottles on order, one for each of us, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be extremely upset if we can't get at least another two. That's right. Crazy. Yeah. So um yeah, the Federal Foundation, it's uh they are all about um empowering children and allowing them to take their future in their own hands and play an active part in shaping it. So they're they focus on uh children's education. Um, I love this. It stands now. It's just a beautiful thing. And it says it stands for the generosity of the house and helps us to meet the goal of bringing education to 1 million underprivileged children in Southern Africa and Switzerland. (laughs) 
How many underprivileged children could there possibly be in Switzerland? Like six? I don't know. It's the goal to make the six like not underprivileged anymore. I guess so. I mean, let's be I, seriously. Like, are there even like ghettos in Switzerland? I don't know. I'm looking that up right now. <laughs> I grew up in a Swiss ghetto, man. <laughs> yeah. Straight out of Zurich. <laughs> Straight out of Zurich. Wow, actually, you look up Swiss ghetto, and there's a lot of bad images that come oh, up. Is it like Holocaust stuff? No, it's like gang shit. Like, oh, really? Yeah, there's some pretty fucked up stuff on there. Jeez. Wow. I don't All know right. if that's really Switzerland, but... Huh. I guess, you know, the rich and the poor, they got to go. Somebody's got to service the rich. I guess, yeah. Crazy stuff, man. I just always pictured Switzerland... Just having like no poor people allowed. <laughs> I still like that image. It's pretty funny. I think about like, it. I'm sorry. Way. I'm sorry. You you have to leave now. You have to go. Bye bye. That's like when I was in um, uh, what you call I was out in in uh, San Diego, and we we're in um, uh, what's that really fancy part where they have all the art galleries? Um, La Jolla. La Jolla. We're in La Jolla, and there's like a homeless guy begging, and you know it's not. You know, nothing to make fun of, but it was just kind of like he was not like any homeless person I've ever seen. And he wasn't just begging for change. It was like, do you have like a sandwich for me? Like, do you have like, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be gluten free. Yeah. I I have an allergy to, uh, to capers. (laughs) It was, was, I was just like, holy crap. He's like sitting there like begging, reading like a, a, like a pretty decent book. And I was like, wow, it's like really strange to see right you know versus what what normal homeless people you see in like new york and stuff oh like i saw i saw a uh, you know now that it's summer up in the northeast i saw a, a gentleman today in uh, in jersey city just you know the typical like crackhead yelling homeless guy just yelling oh. repeatedly like gibberish <laughs> i get scared when i see that i want to run uh, listen i don't think you should do it but if those people catch fire Think it happens, you know. Hey, I just don't know what they're gonna do. Like, I, I don't know if they're gonna come at you. Like, I, so I just want to run all the time. That's my compulsion is just run. Yeah, throw some change and run like real fast. That's right. <laughs> they're like, oh, look, a dollar. Where? And then run away. That's it. Yeah, Get the hell out of there. Asses and elbows, man. That's all you see. Asses and elbows. That's the move. Yeah. My move. <laughs> one move. All right. So that wraps up the yeah, pray today. So let's take our little ride, our weekly journey. Let's get into the Genjula. Time for the ride. It's going to be a good ride this week. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very good ride this week. We're riding across the border this week. I think we're heading up to, uh, yeah, the Great White North. So we'll start off as we like to do with the Bean of the Week. This is from our pal Frank. Thank you again, Frank, for joining us a few weeks ago, and thank you for your uh, your being this week. It is called gelato, which is also referred to as Larry Bird. is another tantalizing hybrid cannabis strain from Cookie Farm Genetics, following in the footsteps of its parents, Sunset Sherbert and Thin Mint GSC. This Bay Area California native gets its name from the fruity dessert-like aroma, a common genetic thread among the cookie family 
Her buds tend to bloom in dark purple hues, illuminated by fiery orange hairs and a shining white coat of crystal resin. Novice consumers may want to approach this THC powerhouse with caution, but those armed with a high tolerance will delight in gelato's heavy-handed euphoria. Physical relaxation comes on strong, but many find themselves still mentally agile enough to stay productive and creative when enjoying gelato during the day. Very nice. A lot of reviews. We got a 4.7 here, 623 reviews on Leafly. And the breakdown is mostly exceptional. Wow. A lot of good cat, uh, a lot of good properties too. Like, uh, Euphoric, where is it? Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's saying that I guess it's really high THC, which means that, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna take you to a, a special place. Very cool. Um did you uh did you look at the um the profile on Leafly? Yes, I did. It is energetic, happy. A uh, little bit of euphoria in there. Um, Looking at Leafly, they actually had it. They have it at um, the place we stopped at when we were in Seattle. Have a heart in Belltown. Have a heart was pretty good. We are big fans of the the Have a Heart chain, especially the Belltown branch. If you're in the Seattle area, good people there. Great shop. That was a sweet shop. Now. While they do have it at Belltown in Seattle, it looks like they may be having it in a lot more places very soon. That's right. So if anybody doesn't know, if you've been uh, locked on a deserted island, um, we'll go to our next... uh, Or possibly in Jeff Sessions' basement. (laughs) That's right. Canada just legalized marijuana. If anybody doesn't know, that's what happened. Um, Congratulations, eh? That's right. So they're saying it's the second country in the world following Uruguay for legalizing. Now, this brings up, um, so they're saying it legalized marijuana, but has big implications for the U.S., um, possible U.S. drug policy. And the reason for it is there is a treaty. So there is a treaty out of a lot of this, um, which is the treaty called, it is the... International Drug Treaties, and the U.S., Canada, and a few other countries are part of it. And they actually said by passing this, the Canadian government is now actually breaking that treaty, that treaty um, which was signed by, like uh, I believe it's Russia, China, U.S., and a few other countries. So it's kind of like an agreement to keep cannabis illegal. Um, and now they're breaking that treaty. So I don't know if uh, anybody's going to say that that was like part of the reason the U.S. hasn't legalized it federally as a nation. Um, Good people but, don't follow stupid laws. <laughs> That's how we improve and evolve is we, we, we find information, we find the truth, and we, we don't follow those stupid laws. That's how things get changed. That's right. So... Um, so yeah, so they're, they're violating international law in the move to legalize. But, you know, this is what happens with treaties. You got to adjust them and you got to break them and there's good reason and that's what you do. Uh, it's just now, so moronic, but just the term drugs, it's just the amount of things that they can classify and put into that. You know, coffee's a drug. Aspirin's a drug. Yeah. 
I mean, it can goes on and on. You know, like what? Where do we to just blanket this stuff and you know to look at the 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 scheduling of marijuana as a schedule one drug with no, you know, no medical benefits is just it's insane. There yeah. was an agenda behind it. All that information is coming out now. Nixon and it's even said you know they wanted to stop the anti-war protesters the anti-Vietnam War protesters. They wanted to stop the civil rights movement. So they made heroin and marijuana and LSD illegal because those were the, they couldn't arrest them for being, for protesting. They had to arrest them because they, they just were able to take the things that they consumed, make them illegal so they could lock people up. Yeah. It's really fucked up when you look at it. It is pretty crazy. And you know, yeah. maybe if you don't want to smoke weed, maybe it's not for you. Maybe you think it's stupid. It makes you lazy. Think whatever you want, but to, to, put people in jail for for using it it's 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 gross it really is yeah they're also saying too like you know part of it you look at the there are tens of thousands of people arrested uh, on marijuana offenses each year it hurts the people gives them a criminal record puts them in jail or prison um and it actually you know the what that causes that chain uh, reaction it causes like the damage to the people to the families to the uh, areas um for something like marijuana, they said it's just not worth. Yeah. yeah, they said it's just not worth the trouble because it's it costs a lot of money to police. It also costs a lot of money, um, and and a lot you know just non monetarily to those people that um, you know get punished for it. So they're saying it's going to be um, they can go to regulation rather than you know trying to uh, prohibit. So. The big thing for the U.S., though, is now you've legalized uh, across an entire giant border of the United States, which now you're going to have issues where people are bringing it in, like we've seen with other states that have legalized in the U.S., where, you know, people are driving it across borders or going to, you know, be able to get it, even if they just go up and get it and come back. And, you know, so that's going to be the other uh, effect of this where the U S is involved. So we'll see what happens. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a good sign of, of the changing times. Uh, and maybe, maybe other countries like the U S will actually follow suit and, and follow this too. Well, I know it's starting to, you know, it's really starting to, you know, people's opinions are changing very quickly. And there was an article on Leafly. They were talking about how, uh, they, you know, they always run those polls seeing if people are in favor of legalization. And they're saying now that across all respondents, 68% said they're in favor of legalization with 40% saying they're strongly in favor. And that's up from a poll in April that was 63%. And in January, that was 58%. So it's actually up 10% in six months. Wow. And I wonder now, you know, like Trump, hate Trump, however you feel about him, he is he's definitely someone who likes winning at things. And I wonder if this is going to push him to do something federally to legalize because he's the kind of guy who's going to see oh, you know, that little that little pussy in Canada Trudeau legalized. He's like yeah. they're going to get our tax money. He's like screw him. I'm going to legalize it. We're going to make more money than him. He's a loser. You know, like I, I could I could really see him doing that. Well, and, financially we're gonna lose a lot of money to Canada too. I mean, just in general. Tourism. Yeah, yeah tourism and tourism. You know, I mean, how many people are uh, again, I forget what the the, the percentage is of people who are you know, have are within an hour or two of the Canadian border. 
I mean, it's probably not that many actually, but you know, yeah, but they're pretty active. I mean, I know when I used to work for a big retailer, there was a huge number of people that came across the border, especially when the U S dollar was lower than the Canadian dollar. Now the Canadian dollar is a lot lower than the U S dollar. So you're getting everything at a, like a 30% discount because of the exchange rate. Well, so, okay. So let's say you're in, you know, if you're in Seattle, what's it? It's three hours, I yeah. think. To, to get to the border? Well, if you're just north of Seattle, right? You're closer to the border, so... Well, I'm thinking like... I'm just I think talking it's two like, hours to Vancouver. I'm just talking like big cities. You know, yeah, like I guess Seattle... Seattle two hours, I think. Between, between two and three. And then, yeah. you know, what's another big city? Um, I mean, New York... To get from New York to the border, what is it? Four hours, maybe? If you went straight north on 87? Yeah. yeah probably, a little, probably more... Probably closer to five. Because Lake Lake Placid is about five. Yeah, it was five and a half to Montreal. Oh, that's Um, it? All right, so maybe maybe four and a half then. Yeah, and then if you're up in like Vermont, you're talking, you're really close. You're like, if you're at GP, if you're you're on the border. (laughs) Yeah, Boston. If you're coming from Boston, it's probably four hours then maybe. Three and a half, four hours. So So, uh, there's a lot of people who are going to have access. Well, Boston won't have to worry about it because Massachusetts is legalizing it next month. I think when you start moving on a federal level, so they actually name in this article, there's three treaties that this actually breaks. There's uh, 1961, there was the Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs, uh, 1971, the Convention on Psychotropic Drugs, and then um, in 1988, there's the United Nations Convention Against Illicit Traffic in Narcotic Drugs and Psychotropic Substances. Um, The U.S. and Canada signed all three of those. Uh, treaties. So it basically says, now it's starting to bring into question, okay, these international treaties are really either in violation or we're going to get rid of them now. So why wouldn't you start legalizing if you're saying everybody's going to break them? You know what I mean? Well, if you're going to have an international law, who's, who even is like, who even presides over that? Like who, who's got the jurisdiction over that? Like the United Nations, do they do anything? No, yeah, no, they're just like a loose confederation of people. Yeah, they send the guys in with the uh, was the blue helmets every once in a while, and they do a little bit of this and that. But they they really it's a lot of political back and forth. I mean, I don't know. It looks like it's a lot of just like grandstanding these, you know, these particular, you know, treaties. You know, what yeah. do they really do? You know, and I mean, what does it really what do they really matter? I mean, every once in a while, you see, you see they put you know actual troops in for like you at you know for peacekeeping, but. I don't know. I mean, this treaty is just, all it is, is like a gentleman's agreement, you know? What is the elite United Nations army going to go and stand up against Canada for legalizing this now? They might, they might shut down Canada. I'm, I'm just saying. They're going to start melting all the hockey rinks. <laughs> this is what you get. And now there's going to be a new wall up in the north <laughs> to keep those drugs out. <laughs> God, it's just so goofy. Like, you, it, it's funny as you get older and you just realize, you know, when you're a kid, you think, again, grown ups have it all figured out and everything's going to make sense when you get older. You realize you question that it. everyone is just so full of shit. Like, everyone's yeah. just trying to get their money. Everyone's just trying to do their thing. And that's really what adulthood is, is, is lying and bullshitting your way to, to making some more money. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like, just all the talk of, of, you know, studies are coming out and people, you know, there's more, there's more attention and more research and more actual looking at what the drug is and what it does. And, uh, the non 
psychotropic benefits and the psychotropic enjoyment of it, um, you know, to demystify it. So I think that's opening up a lot of people's minds to it. And now, you know, the government, I think, is getting pressure to say, look, you know, this is what the people want. You know, if you're if you're going to be pro cannabis, I mean, you know, look at the governor in New Jersey. Right. Um, they're they're making you know strides to get closer to legalization, but that's what the people wanted. That's why they voted him into office partially, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of a plus. They also wanted to get that Krispy Kreme guy off of the cover. Man, he everything. couldn't run anymore. He yeah. was he was done anyway. Let's put it this way: I don't think he could run anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, he hasn't run in a long ass time. <laughs> He's not running anywhere. Fucking guy. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, on the only thing he's running for is the ice cream truck. That's about it. Uh, yeah, fastest I've seen that man run. He just stands in front of it. <laughs> they're uh, they're saying that they're look they're, they're gunning for October seventeenth for it to be officially legal in Canada. So, wow, that's pretty awesome. They so the other country that has it legalized is Uruguay, and you know we our last. You know, our, our topic in the last episode, we were, you know, kind of talking about Anthony Bourdain and, you know, that weekend I watched a couple of his, his, uh, recent episodes of parts unknown. And there was an episode where he went to Uruguay and he was hanging out with some people and they were talking about it and they were just smoking weed at a cafe outside. And, you know, he was, he was a big, he was definitely in favor of it, you know, and he was happy to do it on camera. And, and they said it was, you know, it, it really didn't affect there was like no negative side effects of it happening. The only, I mean, the, the worst effects was people who had, it was tough to run a business, a cannabis business, because you couldn't get, there was no banking available, which is the same issue that they're having in the US. So I wonder how Canada is going to handle that. I guess if it's federally legal. Yeah. But I mean, Uruguay was federally legal, but they couldn't get the banking, you know, banking system to cooperate. Yeah, I think Canada's a little bit more established banking wise. I mean, they got some pretty strong banking. So um I imagine that that leads to concerns with um with the US. So now US banks are closed out. Do Canadian banks are they are you allowed to have a Canadian bank actually do your money transactions if you're a US bank, a US distributor now? That's a good question. Or could you just do something like to set up a Cayman account? Well, because that would be one of the benefits if you, you know, you're 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 not laundering the money. I mean, but in essence, in theory, you would theor- you would theoretically, if you did the transactions with a Canadian bank and then move the money into a U.S. bank, it's the same idea as money laundering, but it's not illegal. It's not illegally gotten. You know what I mean? Right. But yet you're using the banking system in a way that was designed if you were laundering. So I'm wondering if that opens up that discussion. I think it has to, yeah. Or, you know what, they could just just use Bitcoin. If they if they really wanted to go. circumvent the entire nonsense banking system, just set up a Bitcoin account and they could they could do it that way. I'm sure the U.S. banking system is salivating at trying to get their hands on all that weed money. Yeah, because it's all in cash now. Well, that's it's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money moving around. And if if and when it, they do legalize it in the U.S., it's going to be it's going to be a trillion dollar industry in no time. Yeah. But I yet- you can use a credit card to buy it. So it's kind of actually everywhere we've gone, you had to pay cash, right? It was yeah. all cash. Yeah. Everywhere. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. I know like even my, my mother-in-law, like she was down last week. She had freaking this big tub of CBD 
that she got because she has this um she has like tendonitis in her elbow and she doesn't want to be taking ibuprofen because that has horrible effects on your liver. She yeah. got this, she went to the local health food store, got this CBD, looks almost like pesto, the little jar. Rubs uh-huh. in her elbow. She's like, this is the greatest stuff ever. Awesome. And I think we're seeing more of that all over the place. People are, I mean, again, not everyone wants to have the head high, wants to get baked out of their mind. That's fine. You don't have to, you know, get some CBD, you know, you rub it on your joints. It, it's great for inflammation. You know, there's, there's other effects or other positive characteristics and the properties that it has. And again, to, to blanket statement at all as having no medical benefits is just, it's, it's greedy. It's stupid. It's moronic. It's evil. And you know, we're, we're finally, finally breaking ourselves from that, that belief system, which is great. Yeah. So nice work, Canada. So yeah, if, uh, <laughs> if you're going up to Whistler or Revelstoke or Red in this season, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a different kind of party this year. Probably some delivery. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're going to be expanding their menu. Yeah. It's going to be easier to uh, have delivery come, come right. to your place. Very nice. Just watch out for the 300 milligram um, chocolate, chocolate bar. <laughs> you got to remember portioning and you got to do the math. That's true. <laughs> Make sure you do the math. That's all I'm saying. Do the maths. <laughs> That's right. All right, Brian, what, what do we got next? Well, this now this website is a little bit suspect. Now, I've, I've read a couple articles on here and I, I'm not quite sure if it's legit. This is almost, it's not quite as bad as that one we found last year with but the the bear, the guy who died. Is it hashtag fake news or borderline fake news? I, I think it's I think it's a little bit propagandish. Yeah. You know, it's not quite I don't know how legit it is. I mean, I could maybe I'm the asshole. I don't know. But it's healthupdates.com, but there's no E in updates. So it's healthupdates.com. <laughs> All right, we could we just go through the headline and skip it. Why don't you just move on to the other? Because that one's from Vice. It says that cannabis shrinks tumors, and the government knew in 1974. Well, along with the um, UFO, right? The UFO brought it. Yeah, and they talked about there was a you know uh, there's studies in 74 learned that THC, the active chemical in marijuana, shrank or destroyed brain tumors in test mice, but the DEA shut it down. And it talked about uh, in February of 2000, researchers in Madrid um, had done a similar study. And I was like researching the Madrid study and all that, and I couldn't find any other information on it. So I don't know, but I, I would not be surprised if this was true. But I, I, it's a long article and there's a bunch of references. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It seemed a little bit shady. But I, I hope it's true. Maybe it does. Because there's a link to another website called thealternet.org, which is like the real source of this story. So that's another kind of yeah, a bit so shady yeah. website. So I don't know. Yeah, with the there's, a, there's a lot of YouTube with doctors saying, you know, videos. Alleged doctors. That, yeah. Alleged doctors. So, yeah. Yeah. You never know. Then... And, and I mean, a lot of it too is based on the, there's a book from um, Jack Herrer called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. And it talks about in 76, Gerald Ford putting an end to all public cannabis research. 
Mm. Grants exclusive research rights to major pharmaceutical companies who set out unsuccessfully to develop synthetic forms of THC that would deliver all the medical benefits without the high. So, I mean, hey, who would be surprised if that was true? I wouldn't be. Yeah. You know, that's that's big business doing what it does. And that's part of the reason why, you know, our buddy, you know, Krispy Kreme, former governor of New Jersey, you know, why he probably was so against it because there's the most pharmaceutical headquarters of any state in New Jersey. So he doesn't want his buddies who are shoving money in his pocket to get their bills passed and their protections passed uh, to have a, some product that can grow anywhere become legal. So, again, we'll have a link on there if you want to check it out. Make your own mind up. It, uh, Cancer.com actually talks about there's an Israeli study that was done uh, anti-inflammatory and immunosuppressive effects of CBD. So they're talking about CBD, not THC. Uh, but then they also had some comparisons of THC versus a placebo, and they're saying, um, yeah, they have some, so, how do you So they were effective for patients uh, receiving low or very high chemotherapy. So I guess it was to supplement the effects of chemotherapy. Well, it's like with chemotherapy, you're, you're usually not, you have no appetite. And yeah. I guess the, um, is it the THC or the CBD that, that sparks your, your, um, your ability to eat again? I thought it was the CBD, but the THC helps with the pain relief. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a ton of companies now using uh, marijuana, the CBD and THC, to study and try to create drugs that have less, if, if not no side effects for... You know, because I guess when you do chemotherapy, sometimes they give you supplemental medicines to counter the effects of chemotherapy because it's just very. And then there's other companies that are looking for other types of treatment versus chemotherapy for for cancer. So uh, things are really, really moving in a good direction with that. Um, So it's good to see. I mean, in a time I'm dead, there's going to be a ton (laughs) of stuff that probably could have saved my life. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. So, but all set back by a bunch of people that, you know, think that they know medicine when they don't. And they have yachts and you don't, they could have saved you. They could have helped you. But instead they were just chilling on their yacht. Yeah. They get a full workup at like the Mayo Clinic every year. And and I get, I don't even get a a scan on my broken knee. Can't even get a little bit of weed. What's up with that? That ain't right. That ain't right. All right, so next up, we got New York did a pot study, and they're saying legal pot is good, actually. So the state health department is recommending that, or will recommend that marijuana be legalized for recreational use. So um, longtime Governor Andrew Cuomo has been passionately anti-pot, calling it a gateway drug. Um, But the study that he commissioned in January reached a different conclusion, recommending that the state legalize recreational weed. Ah, dickhead. So uh, <laughs> while he's sitting there trying to prove his point, just because you fund a study doesn't mean like your cigarette company and because you fund the study, it'll come out the way you want. They actually do science and say, we can't, you know, without it, with, with a conscience, say that it's bad for you. Uh, so they're saying the pros outweigh the cons and that legal, um, legal marijuana program will be available um, 
they recommend that a legalized marijuana program be available to adults in the state of New York. So um, that was the health commissioner, and they did it on a news conference, so they can't squash it, and it's everywhere now. So this is being reported by Vice. Um, so, you know, I think it's a good slap in the face to say, hey, you know what, maybe you should admit you're wrong. Go back to the drawing board and start talking about a, a different plan in New York State because um, there is uh, the mayor, Bill de Blasio, um, he is uh, de not decriminalizing it. Uh, he is decriminalizing um, marijuana in a way. He is recommending that cops issue summons rather than make arrests in the, in the case of people smoking marijuana in public. In the city, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the city. So, you know, there, there's things going on that are, and, you know, in, in New York State alone that are, uh, you know, while the governor wants, th- you know, says things are one way, he, he funded some research that said the opposite way to legalize. And the mayor of New York City is saying, hey, you know what? If people are smoking, leave them alone. Isn't that crazy? Like, imagine, just think like 15 years ago, you know, or just, yeah. you know, the year 2000. Like we were nowhere near this, you know, that's felt when half baked came out. Right. Wasn't it like late nineties? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's amazing how far we've progressed uh, in in terms of of marijuana, just, you know, legalization. It's crazy. This is like, this is like the utopian dream of the sixties pretty much starting to happen in front of our faces right now. Like we're living through this, this historical moment. It's pretty cool. Well, you can look at like pop culture. So everybody knows teaching Chan, right? That was just like the stereotypical image of what it what it was, but you know that's not dudes getting baked and like laughing, and it's like yeah, that's that's part of it. That's the extreme of it, but that's not all it is, you know. Yeah, it 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 would. I think I think so many people just still have that sort of belief. You know, that's what it's like drilled in their heads. You know, like you know, this is reefer madness. If you've ever seen reefer madness, I've only seen. It's parts of hysterical. it and you're just like holy crap you would think somebody just smoked crack like they are like all wild up and they're doing all this crazy stuff and it's like yeah that doesn't that's never happened with anybody that i've seen smoke marijuana at all ever it's like that funny we had a, a post i think it was last week on uh facebook and twitter where it was an onion article and it's like jeff sessions attempts suicide by smoking one joint because <laughs> again these, some of these people just have no clue and to, to have the power to be in government or to be, you know, either in the police force or a politician to have the power to make decisions over whether people are going to be locked up in jail or to be free based on the consumption of a plant and to vilify it with no experience, no, no knowledge of it, no real information. It's just, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's evil. and It's stupid. I just don't see how you can logically treat it differently than alcohol. They're both from plants. They're both, you know, I think marijuana is less detrimental. Let's be honest. We've both consumed both of them in, in mass quantities. And I've done way dumber things on alcohol than I ever have on weed. Oh yeah. You know, and again, everyone's different. How many, how many issues of we, you know, stone driving have led to fatal accidents versus Drunk driving. I've only driven high once, and it's because I consumed an edible 
And then the person who was supposed to drive was way too tired to drive. So I had to drive, but I was pretty much white knuckling it at the speed limit. I mean, I was, I was never in any sort of, you know, danger. I was never, never like was falling asleep. It was just like paranoia and like following the rules. Well, down here in Florida now they're running, I don't know if they're running them in other States, but they're running commercials now. So Florida is a, medical marijuana state, not recreational. And they're already running commercials because I think they're speculating that it's eventually going to come up for vote and, and they, they're going to legalize recreational because everybody's going to want it. Um, but they're running commercials that say, um, don't drive stoned and, and all the stuff about, you know, driving on, on the influence of marijuana and stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting to see that there, it's like pre-propaganda before it's even legalized because, because think about it, who is that targeting? It's targeting people that have medical marijuana because it's not legal recreationally, you know? So it's just kind of interesting that they're running these commercials and trying to create this hype that, wow, there's a really big problem in our, in our community. Um, which I don't is that it. Florida's biggest problem? That's what they're putting on the agenda. It's all political, uh, political chips. Wasn't yeah. there, isn't this an article about some dude having like his fifth DUI? this week in Florida and he chugged a beer in front of the cops. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the, the fifth beer he chugged in front of cops on a DUI. People are like, people are, I'm sure there's more people like friggin' smoking crack or meth in Florida and driving than they are on weed. Look, man, that guy just got out of jail for, for telling kids where babies come from on the top of a swing set. And he decides <laughs> to have a few beers and drive, right? Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Yes. Yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens in New York, especially with Massachusetts legalizing, which is the first state in the Northeast, which is going to bring in a fuck ton of revenue. In that the Acela train is going to be the freaking best train to take, man. Is the door is going to open and it's just going to be puff, puff, pass. Wouldn't that be great if there was like one special, like on the Acela, like one special green car? <laughs> it's just like, there's the quiet car. And there's well, a think about it. Unless they stop you at the border, you theoretically could have it. You get on where it's legal. And then as long as you consume it before you get off the train, it's not stopping. So there's no evidence. There's nothing. Just saying. Right. You could keister it too. Well, puff, puff, pass train. You keister it in Massachusetts. By the time you get to Connecticut, it's all, at, you know, it's all in your system and nothing to show. That's it, man. I wonder if they're gonna have like dogs at the at the station now when the train comes in for the cell. <laughs> freaking tracking, you know, running after people and shit. Bunch of freaking narcs, yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah. So yes, very interesting ride in the gondola there, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. So let's get into why we're all here. Let's go to ski news. First up. Another week, another purchase, another purchase in the mighty arms race between Altera and Vale. This time, it's Altera Mountain striking and purchasing Utah's Solitude Mountain Resort. That's, a, that's crazy, man. Solitude is pretty big. Yeah, Solitude solid and solitude. They haven't announced officially that it's been added to the Icon Pass, but I there's no way it won't be. It'd be ludicrous not to. So they are. They just announced it today that they um yeah they have they have purchased 
solitude. And mm. it's it's pretty big news. Um it's huge. This is really big. So can you view find that cool? Because tell. I've got an ad blocker on, it's not letting me view it. Oh, I did view a map that has uh the veil properties on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I want to see like almost like they do like the red and blue states, like they should break it up like by region for like this is the ski region by this mountain. That'd be kind of cool to see. Um yeah, so, so they're saying that um oh, this they, is the thirteenth one now for Altera. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And they've only so been around since last year. Man. So they announced today, uh just a few hours ago, that um they're they entered into agreement to buy solitude. Now there's no guarantee this won't be held up or whatever, but you know that that's what they announced today that they're talking. Um and they're expecting the purchase to be completed by late fall. And they are probably if it um they said further information is going to be coming depending on the close of whether solitude will be included in the icon pass or not. So I guess depending on how long it takes and, you know, they may do, they may just throw it in there as a, as a nice, yeah. So the same, this is, uh, uh, the, the 13th of them to, uh, start acquiring crazy, right? Yeah, it's really crazy. They, um, so in terms of Colorado, they also have Steamboat and Winter Park on their on the Icon Pass. And they're saying now the Icon Pass got 26 different destinations because there's the Icon Pass has different tiers, but generally they're not all unlimited access. Yeah, some of them have like highest yeah, I think like certain ones is on like seven day max that you can use there. So this is uh this is definitely gonna change some things. But yeah, this this arms race is is just getting crazy. I mean it's it seems like are there is every resort gonna get bought up by one of these two companies? It's starting to feel that way. The way they're going, yeah, it's starting to feel that way. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're they're there's almost like a, you know possibly of like a third or fourth little conglomerate to just kind of hold out, you know what I mean? Like, and, and say, okay, at least we'll, we'll band together. So we don't get eaten up by, by one of the two. There was that one group that we were looking at. That was, that was kind of doing that. Um, that has the, uh, is it the, the group that does the mountain collective? Oh yeah. That's right. The mountain collective still out there. Yeah. That group is sort of doing their own thing still. But it's yeah, I mean there's 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 definitely some positives to it, but there's a it seems like there's a lot more negatives for the ski industry in general to have this, you know, this yeah. duopoly going on right now. I mean like you hear stuff where yeah, I guess where where it's really gonna benefit the ski industry is when there's a bad year, you're not gonna have these resorts either go out of business or stop their improvements because they're gonna be a little bit more financially stable in theory. Um yeah, definitely. I mean, and you know, that that's one of the big positives of it is yeah, like you mentioned, you know, say you know, like this past year, Colorado, Utah don't have that great of a year, but you know, Vermont has a great year. So maybe your one or two resorts that are in Vermont make up for the the lesser, you know, lesser revenue in Colorado. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. <clears throat> we'll find out who's next on the agenda. It seems like it's not gonna 
it seems like they're just everybody's in a buying spree right now. Vale and uh, and Altera are in a buying spree. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know it's still early in the season, in you know the spring and summer, so a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I know they're they're considering someone's considering buying JP. We talked about a few weeks ago, so that's yeah. one of them. They're just they're all over the place where they can still get picked up. So I'm sure people are looking at Killington and some of the other big mountains that are around. You know? Oh yeah, I, I'd be I'd be very surprised if we didn't see more by Labor Day, more work resorts being picked up by one of the two big ones. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. All right, you want to get the next one? Um, sure. It's kind of a dual, dual article that we found. Double story, man. This is from Powder. Looks like resorts in the Alps are storing snow for next winter. Wow! So they had a the record new glaciers, year. man. The new glaciers. Pretty much, yeah. So they had a record year in the Alps, and a few of the French resorts are taking zero chances when it comes to. Moody Mother Nature, collecting and storing snow for next year's season opening. Valtherens, which you're very familiar with, and Courcheval began snow farming this week. This means laying down a reflective tarp on an area roughly the size of 50 football pitches to preserve (laughs) the snowpack into next season. That's pretty cool. The technique has increased is increasingly popular in recent years and with rising temperatures and finicky snow levels, Courcheval enters the snow saving game for the first time. That is pretty amazing. If you think about it, it's like covering a glacier with like tinfoil. So it doesn't melt. I know. Right. (laughs) Right. You're, you're actually what in essence they're doing is they're keeping that snowpack and that's kind of what happens with a glacier. And the next year you'll get a higher snowpack and they'll cover, you know, if they cover it again, you'll actually create a glacier, you know, out of out of nothing. Was it? Awesome. Is it in a way almost like reverse solar panels? Because like solar yeah. panels are trying to like pull in the the sun, right? And you're almost like trying to like pull in the cold. To yeah, keep, keep the hot out, so you keep the cold in. Yeah. So that's actually you know you think about it, it's like you wonder like, hey, why haven't people done that before, right? Right. Well, maybe they've tried. You know, we don't know. But yeah, this is a this is becoming a serious thing now. That's wild. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the second part of that story, because this is from a, uh, yeah, it's from Powder, so it must be like their their newsletter. Mammoth shuts her down after a 220 day season. Wow. So they had a kind of a rough start, but then they had that miracle march, which helped them, you know, really push out the end of the season. And they said so it was 220 days they were open this year. And to put that in perspective, that's longer than Sean Spicer's press briefings, the Spanish-American War, Britney Spears' first marriage, and my 120-day mourning period for U.S. men's soccer. Oh. Womp womp. Womp womp. <laughs> yeah, I just pulled up a picture of snow farms. That's pretty cool. Yeah, right? They get these like big, they almost look like foam pads and they chuck them out. All over the mountain. Yeah, I mean, I I wonder how soon they have to have them out there, and how soon they pull them off. You know, like how like is there like a certain time where they want to you know close the mountain down to put them out? Oh, you know what, Korshavall, they're saying they they have a stadium uh, that hosts the Women's Alpine Ski World Cup in December. 
and they're saying estimate they're estimating that uh, snow farming can produce a third of the sixty thousand square meters of snow required to fill the stadium. Oh no, kidding! That's wild. So that's actually going to save money. Yeah, right. You know they keep reusing these uh these things. I imagine every year. The win win. Very cool. So two hundred twenty days. What do you think the record is? Anybody um, gotten all two hundred twenty? Well, they said they said last. Oh, you mean how many people have of those two hundred twenty? Like, what did the person? What the yeah, what person was the record most? that was set anyway? What was the uh, the all time record that they said for Mammoth? Well, they said two twenty was less than last year. No, no, for a uh, number of ski days. Remember, there was that one guy that came out and said he had it at. Um, oh, that was the vertical. Oh, the vertical. That was yeah. the number of days. Yeah. That's where you're like, all right, I need a break. I got to go. We got to give people breaks. They want to take vacations that work yeah. here. You yeah, know? Right. All right. Next up, we were talking just about Vail. Um, and Vail, the attorney general in New Hampshire, is saying that Vail needs uh, the state, state approval to finish their, um, their whatchamacallit, their, uh, their acquisition of Mount Sunapee Ski Area which was previously state run. So they're saying uh, a lot of the critics are saying many of the area's financial arrangements have been less than transparent. So now they're getting pressure pushback from the community saying, look, we want to know everything that's going on with these deals. And that, and Sunapee, since it was state run was, uh, I guess it falls under that jurisdiction of, yeah, we can actually put a hold on, on the sale. So I uh, don't know if that's going to be huh. ongoing. Uh, that's- Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're not really just kind of rolling over and, and, you know, letting Vail do whatever they want. Yeah. It's not just show up with a bag of cash and buy something. You got to actually maybe go through some meetings and actually talk to the community. Well, New Hampshire is, is holding true to their state motto of live free or die. I like that. Nice. Good for them. Next up, this is uh, some pretty cool news from our pals over at Parlor Skis, or now I guess just Parlor, because they are announcing that they have come out with snowboards. Nice. Custom snowboards, right? Yeah. So inspired by surfing, snowboarding's closest kin, Parlor boards are designed and built to bring a snowboarder back to the roots of riding snow where linking smooth turns and surfing powder rain. By shaping boards with a more directional focus, we've succeeded in maximizing a board's length. With more of the board dedicated to edge contact, the rider can push their turns further and deeper. Nice. So yeah, if you check out Parlor's site, you can subscribe uh, to their newsletter. And if you're uh, a boarder, you can now start checking out some of their, their new wares coming out, which is pretty awesome. I like that they did this. I know it's uh, it's good to be good at skis, but I'm sure at some point they're like, hey, look, you can make boards too, right? You know, they get somebody in that knows boards and then boom, you're, you're making boards. Yeah, they have it on their site. And if you were looking at one of their boards, now it's time to grab one because they're offering a pretty nice, I think 25 to 30% off for right. this uh, inaugural launch. So I wonder if you could build your own board like they do with the skis. If not now, I imagine that's on the table, right? I'm sure that would have to be, yeah. Kind of cool. Pretty sweet. 
So check it out, parlorskis.com. I wonder if they're going to need like a new URL now because they're parlor, oh, yeah. parlor boards. Yeah. Oh, they'll probably get a, a second one. Yeah. We should buy it up and cyber squat it. <laughs> just be like, you guys, just we you guys to... want to buy this? We'll trade it for some skis. That would be great. Yeah. Like we're not trying to be dicks, bro, but we have this URL, we have this domain and we'll sell it to you. Let's reserve the URL. Boom. Thanks, GoDaddy. That's right. And they'll write us an an, an email. Thanks, dicks. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Next up, we're just talking about Utah and Utah is reporting that resorts were notched down uh, this year. So they had less snow and fewer visitors, uh, this year. So they're saying the two year streak of record visitation to the state ski resort, uh, resorts, uh, was snapped this past winter when it dropped by about 10%. So, um, while they say it's a drop, they had record, record number of skiers and boarders coming to the resorts, uh, the, the past few years. So, it's, I wouldn't say it's a, a bad turndown. It's just a uh, more of a correction, but they had two really up years. So um, they're saying um, the snowfall uh, really contributed to the decrease. They're saying uh, it was only about 60% of its average this past winter. Wow, so that's crazy. That is a huge drop. In, and to only lose 10% of these, you know, the visitors uh, is pretty, pretty interesting. I also think I remember a few years ago, I saw ads for Ski Utah like every day. It was crazy. It was a ton of ads. Um, and I didn't really see much this, this past year. So I'm wondering if that contributed to it too. Weren't you also in Florida? Yeah. Huh. No, no. I'm saying like last two years, I haven't seen a lot of Utah. Because remember, they always used to promote Ski Utah. Oh, no. I was going to say the opposite because I was uh, during my commute, I take a boat to work. Uh, fancy like and every morning call a yacht it's bigger than 10 foot so it's considered a yacht right take a yacht to work uh, i i don't want to say it's not a yacht but uh, okay maybe it is a yacht but there's also 300 other people on said yacht so it's very much much less yacht like with all those other folks on there but they had um i forget what going to work in the morning <laughs> It's the opposite of that, I assure you. <laughs> but there's a, they always had the TV on. And one of the things that they, in the probably like October, November, December, January, it was always every morning ski talk commercials, every commercial break. Oh, really? So I was getting, I was salivating and getting annoyed and excited at the same time seeing wow. those commercials. So, because, okay, yeah, I left in right after September. So this winter, I didn't see anything. But the winter before, I didn't see much. I remember seeing a lot of Telluride and, um, Tell you about the year before Jackson Hole I saw for the 51st. Uh, they advertised the crap out of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So, hey, we'll, uh, you know, we'll keep check, keeping our eye on, on what the, the weather is going to predict. But hopefully Utah has a better year. And hopefully we can go there to go and uh, partake in their hopefully better year. You want to take this one? Because this is like more up your alley. Yeah, so if anybody doesn't know, the Tour de France is getting ready to start. Uh, it's usually, I think it's getting ready to start any week because um, it's usually end of end of June. Usually July 4th is close to a rest day, so they're probably going like a week or two. It's probably in another week or two, week, week and a half. 
um, they're going to start. So now there's a former ski jumper, uh, uh, former ski, ski jumper Rog Roglic, Roglic, uh, lands on the Tour de France contenders list. So he's Slovenian. He's an ex ski jumper. Uh, his name is Primoz Rozak, Roglic. Sorry, I'm butchering his name. Uh, he rides for Lotto Jumbo, and he is on target for the Tour de France. So the same uh, this past weekend, he he dethroned um, Rigoberto Uran um, uh, as second in the 2017 Tour uh, to win the Tour of Slovenia. So it was a pretty big win. And I guess eyes are on him as being an actual, um, you know, tour winning contender, which is pretty impressive um, to be able to throw yourself down a mountain and then get on a bike and ride at that level is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. That's so, um, that's so unbelievable to be that, be that good at one sport and then being like, you know what, I, uh, I'm going to do this too. I'm going to be this awesome at that sport as well. It's nuts. I mean, and they they interviewed him and he's talking it's like the about Slovenian Bo Jackson. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Football, baseball, big in America, cycling and skiing, big in Slovenia. <laughs> so he's 28 years old and he's saying his primary concern is uh, Chris Froome. So if anybody doesn't follow uh, cycling, Chris Froome won the tour four times. So that's pretty impressive that he's actually talking about the guy um, in an actual situation as being a contender. So, um, have to see where this goes. That'll be, uh, interesting to see. That's, that's pretty amazing though. I just, I'm so fascinated that people that could be are that high level that they're able to, to again, be super competitive at the top of their game in multiple disciplines. Yeah. Well, I mean, that I was like the, um, the summer winter, um, there was the, who was the woman that won, uh, snowboarding metal oh she, yes the, the female she, she went snowboarding and skiing yeah she was from uh Bulgaria. i thought you were was talking it? about the sexy tonga guy who was uh was, oh, he um, competed at that. yeah he was a martial artist in the summer games right i think he was a, was a judo maybe yeah then, or taekwondo and then he did the uh, cross-country skiing in the winter that's right he did that, and then the but the other woman won. I think she won gold in both. She won gold in both. Yeah, Belarus or something. Or um, I think she may have been Czech or Slovakian. Or probably totally wrong on that. Actually, and you know what's funny? Like, isn't it so funny how like when we. Wait, like for like that two week period when the Olympics are going on, like we know everything about every sport and you know, it's like, Oh, did you see so-and-so doing so-and-so in that? And then like a month later, you're like, Oh, I forget their names. I forget the entire sport. And I'll, I'll get back to remembering them in four years. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's crazy. so funny. It's so funny how you get caught up in that. It's so it's, it's amazing. You know, for three weeks I knew every curling person. <laughs> Dude, right? I was like so into like the women's like U.S. hockey team, like they were so awesome, and I was like so like rooting for them against Canada, and like oh, I, you hated players in Canada, and it's like I, I don't know why, like just just for a couple of weeks. I don't know if it's the propaganda or the hype or the you know the way they 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 bump it up with the music and everything when you're watching the the little vignettes, but yeah, you just get fired up. There's a lot of athletes. You go to. Um wiki and they have a lot of all these athletes that competed both in summer and winter there's a there's a quite a big list um and they're all different sports um 
And then there's Sam competed. Esther Ledecka. Ledecka, that's who it was. Oh, was that? She didn't, uh, what were the, did you see the events that she wanted? Ah, and she is from Czech. Boom, I was right. Ah. Oh, she won Super G and something else, right? Or no. Was it the Snowboard Cross? Oh, Snowboard Parallel Giant Slalom. Snowboard Super G, that's right. Yeah. That's wild. Super G and skiing in and the Parallel Giant Slalom and snowboarding. So awesome. Oh, she won two events in the same Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Two different events in the same Olympics. They're two different disciplines. It's not like it's not like Michael Phelps, like how he won multiple swimming. You know, it's all yeah. swimming. But this is two different disciplines altogether. That would be like Michael Phelps. I'm gonna throw the discus and then I'm gonna go swim. You know, like, like something like that. I could imagine. Wouldn't it be funny if they just started having like you know they have like the biathlon and the decathlon, like it's like some like random wild card ones where they were like, all right, here's what happens: you're a great athlete at the beginning of the Olympics. We're gonna have like a fishbowl with like yes, that's like, how they should do it. Like thirty with like thirty events, and we're gonna pick four from out of the hat. They <laughs> so, should do like <laughs> they should do like great? the office. You spin a wheel, and then if you land on one spot, you spin a mini wheel. <laughs> and you pick two sports like that is boom wouldn't that be great so it's like it's gonna be golf the hammer throw oh, <laughs> yard dash and taekwondo those are the four events They're like skeet shooting just throw them in skeet there shooting. Yeah. <laughs> like completely random greco-roman wrestling and, <laughs> and speed walking <laughs> oh, like judo like I don't know judo. Yeah, you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you. You're gonna learn today. <laughs> that would uh, be the good. best. Like, <laughs> like the wild card, the wild card uh heptathlon. Well, it's, yeah, it's like the triathlon, right? I mean, there's there's disciplines where somebody's a good biker, somebody's a good swimmer, somebody's you know, and they have varying, you know, degrees of, of how good they are in each discipline. And uh that would be kind of cool. Well, that's where like this guy, you know, it makes sense from going from, you know, skiing and biking, you know, he's probably doing biking as off season training for skiing. So yeah. they, they work well together. You know, they, um, uh, I actually started doing that just on my own. Like, you know, when I, I, I always wanted to bike and I was like biking. So I started doing it and it found that it just keeps you in really good shape over the, um, over the summer. And then I heard Greg Lamont actually, I saw a whole show on him and they were saying how he, he definitely did that his whole, his whole life. He would uh, do a lot of biking in the, in the summer. And I was like, wow, it makes sense. Especially hill climbing and stuff. It gets your legs ready. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. But this is at a freakish level. I don't If you look at the times, these guys go like 30, 32, 35 miles an hour on, on flats, which is, you know, on a really good day, if I'm pushing it for a little while, I could maybe hit like 25, 26 miles an hour on a flat kind of almost as a sprint and these guys are doing like 32 miles an hour for average right 100 miles (laughs) like 80 miles you know out of a 110 mile ride you know for the day they're they're doing that for maybe half the day it's nuts absolutely nuts it's awesome and then uh there's that um there's there's a special on netflix called clean ride and uh it's about a uh, a Tour de France 
team that did everything where they did extra testing just to make sure they rode clean and everything like that. But they filmed it and it was more interesting for me to see like, you know, just the behind the scenes, what the guys go through. And they were just saying, you know, it's a three week race. You only have three days off in three weeks and you're riding about 110 miles a day, more or less every day. Um, they said by the third week, your body, you can't take on board enough calories every night. So what happens is your body has a maximum that you can take on and ingest and digest and everything. So what happens is when you hit that third week, your body's been in depletion for the previous two weeks. And it's a matter of just how your body is built, like whether or not you can, you can last. It's just, it's crazy. It's like probably a lot mental at that point too. Just yeah, they say push through that. They say some people just like your mental fitness just, just goes. I mean, it's, it's, oh, it's nuts. Wow. Your body's eating itself for, for energy. It's crazy. That's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. But you could eat like Henry VIII every night, which is nice. That's kind of true, yeah. <laughs> Try to take in all the calories you can. Right. All right, cool. So it looks like that wraps up the old ski news for the week. All right, so what are we talking about next, Brian? We got our main topic. What do we, what do we got on the agenda for today? Yeah, well, you know what? It's uh, it's that time of year where you know we kind of we kind of get out of ski mode for a bit. We've left ski season. We're in almost ski season. We try to find little nuggets of happiness and joy and things to uh, to kind of keep our mind off the fact that we're not skiing. And this summer. You know, every four years this event happens, and I know Mario and I have have spent many, many of uh many games watching together these uh this particular event. But this year in Russia, they're doing the World Cup of Soccer, and we've both always been well, at least the last eight or twelve years, we've been pretty into it. So we uh, yeah, we I kind of started following soccer. I mean, it's just I like the tournaments, and I kind of follow a little bit more now. I mean, that's. Nice yeah, we see. we've definitely gone out for a couple a couple a couple different World Cups uh over the past couple of years. And yeah, so we're just gonna, you know, we had a couple of fun stories and we were just gonna have them in, you know, different sections of the podcast, but we're like, you know what, we don't have a topic. <laughs> Let's just talk about uh two bums, one cup. You know, two bums, one cup. That's right. Why not? So World Cup's going on in Russia, and last time Russia had a big event was the 2014 Olympics which was interesting to say the least because they had the winter Olympics in a summer resort town and they had to, you know, cut through a bunch of protected forests to create the ski lifts. They had to build, you know, uh, on the fly, a bunch of hotel rooms that weren't really finished. There was the whole Icarus thing where the whole Russian team was blood doping. So, you know, whenever an event of this caliber happens in Russia, there's always things that happen that may not be on the up and up and sometimes really funny things do happen so before we even get into the the sport and the games which have been really interesting and and fun so far there was a story that we saw yesterday about burger king in russia that is officially sorry for the ad that they, they they posted um I guess they posted on their social media account, right? They uh, were going to offer a lifetime supply of Whoppers to Russian women who get pregnant from World Cup players. <laughs> we we want to keep the 
the genetic material of soccer players here in the country, I guess, right? I, I mean, I guess. I mean, aren't those the guys who get the most ass in the first place anyway? Are like the soccer players? Oh, that's what it promised to reward women who get the best football genes and ensure the success of the Russian team for generations to come. All right, so here's the problem. Now you, you get some you get some like fatty who loves Burger King who gets knocked up by a soccer player. So they're getting like half good genes and then half dumpy, disgusting, whopper infested genes, right? You know, you never know. It's a it's a it's let's let's try to see where this genetic combining takes us. Isn't this sort of like what like the Nazis and like Joseph Mengele did during World War II? Yeah, was it the East German uh, weightlifting team used to do that? Like, there was a lot of stuff going. On. Well, I think this wasn't. Didn't they used to call them the Joy Division? Like, like that's what they call. Like, they had these women who were like would just get banged by SS dudes nice. in Germany. The Joy Division. The Joy Division, like just these women who were like you know, like tall, strong, beautiful, and like ready for for SS ready. loads. Ready for. Right for many loads, many loads of fun. Now I just I I really wish you know I mean it's 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 funny and it's stupid and it's creepy all at the same time. But it'd be kind of awesome if Burger King was like, you know what, we're not going to apologize and we're still going to give these bitches their whoppers. That's right. <laughs> we have a separate uh, whopper eating room in the back if you guys want to go enjoy a whopper there. Well, I wonder if the problem really was now. This is my speculation. I think that the problem wasn't that they were, you know, encouraging women to have sex with soccer players to make super soccer players of the future. I think the problem is all these women be bothering the soccer players right now when they're supposed to be playing. That's true. You know? All these women are like, I want whoppers today. I'm hungry now. I'm not <laughs> hungry. A, I'm not hungry in a month. You know, when the, when the games are when the games are done, I want right some in. whoppers now. Come on, let's make this happen right in the Burger King. And you know, Is that proof well, enough? Think about, think about it. I mean, not that the soccer players are, don't have their, their pick of the litter to begin with, but if you have all these like hoes lining up outside your hotel room, you know, like when you're like, lady, I'm trying to get ready for the game tomorrow, but I want to get my Whopper on. Yeah, and but that, dude, they got Whoppers. Think about if they bring Whoppers. You're like, I'll bang this girl for a Whopper. Now, <laughs> what's, now are Whoppers the same in Russia as they are here? I don't know. Like, I figure there's like a slice of like borscht like there's some like beets. there's like beets on there perhaps instead of um instead of uh tomatoes they put beets <laughs> right that would make sense to me i i keep thinking of mcdowell's we got, McDonald's. The, arch. We got yeah. the big mac we got the big mick <laughs> oh that's awesome they got the big putin we got the big mac <laughs> i'd love this story on so many levels be glad <laughs> there's too many women having sex with players not good we have to stop and they all show up with bags of burger king i don't know what's going on yep well that's pretty interesting uh so <clears throat> along with that going on there's reports that um moscow and other parts of russia <clears throat> are actually running out of beer as the world cup fans drink the country dry <laughs> So, um, that is beautiful. <laughs> you're seeing different locations are dealing with it differently. And, you know, they're given some examples. So Australia lost two went to France, but they drank several bars dry. So they said about 15,000 fans descended upon the city of Kazan, um, and multiple, and multiple destinations. They're told 
that the fans consume practically all the city's entire stock of beer. <laughs> so um, there's an anonymous writer that told the Post that um, they, when they did the planning, they didn't think everybody was just going to want beer. Um, but they said there's really a lot of people in Moscow and they're all drinking because it's hot and it's football and they all want beer. So it's kind of pretty funny. I don't know if they were planning on them to drink wine or um, hot something. I, I don't know. I mean, but they're it's all really, drinking. It's really just poor planning because I'm sure they're like, well, we like vodka. So I'm sure they like vodka. Yeah. And they're like, no, look at the, I guess you gotta, it would be interesting to see like, you know, which fans drink the most beer now. I know Germany, it's a beer country. Germany, you got Germany, you have England, and you got those, yeah. those lunatic Iceland fans. You know, they're, they're freaking Viking yeah. people. You know, they, I mean, I mentioned Brazil is probably drinking a lot of beer now. I'm not sure. Australia. I know, what know Sweden's drinking a lot because they, that was their first World Cup victory. So they yeah. were like, they were partying hard. I forget Sweden, what Australia, they were in. Denmark, those those will see like beer focused. Argentina, even maybe. I don't know. Yeah, there's some there's some serious beer drinking countries. Now I'm finding another article that said the Moscow beer shortage is not impacting World Cup venues, according to Budweiser. Those honest folks at Budweiser who would uh, never rolling lie. In, rolling in C140s with beer, I'm sure, dude. I guarantee you the folks in Heiser Bush are tapping all the freaking men's rooms and just pulling all that freaking piss out and just throwing a couple of bit, a little bit of barley in there and selling it as a, uh, they're probably rerouting <laughs> beer as fast as they can. Every, everybody's probably rerouting all the beer they can and say, look, man, we will sell it. Uh, dude, I, I seriously, I really think they're probably taking the piss from the men's room, putting in malt and calling it like Bud Light gold. And people nice. are like, I will have six Bud Light golds. <laughs> Or call it Bud Light Goal. It's like, oh, it's specially made for the World Cup. Specially brewed. Specially made and brewed. Do you think they don't have the technology to do that? We have, so for our little son, we have some wipes that smell like cream cheese frosting. Nice. Fragrance and flavor people can do absolute voodoo with <laughs> anything. So I would not be one bit surprised they took urine and made it taste like Bud Light. Nice. It's not that hard. There isn't too many ingredients necessary to change that flavor. They probably, I wonder if they uh if they have their own brands. There's gotta be like some big Russian brand. Just like Kokanee, the Kokanee of the, the Kokanee of Russia. <laughs> I wonder what Russia yeah, what is Russia's official beer? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know any famous Russian beer, but, but. Yeah, Smirnoff makes beer too. I don't even think Smirnoff is that Russian, is it? Probably not. I love how like Russia's shocked that World Cup fans drink beer. Are you serious? It's like, have you ever followed any sort of soccer history ever? Baltic Um, Beverage Holdings, Baltica Breweries, Tinkoff Brewery. Uh, the Denver Post back in 2017 said the craft beer revolution is brewing in Russia. Look at I guess that. It didn't, I guess it didn't brew big enough. Yeah. Next year, it's when it'll fully be. <laughs> if we had the World Cup next year, so they have some craft brewers there. Um, like, I kind of wish they would just take over Mongolia and like make that as some sort of, you know, like just turn into like a, uh, a laboratory for beer. 
Ah, oh, there you go. You know? The Mongolian skunk works for Pretty beer. Pretty much. Yeah. I beer mean, works. Mongolian beer works. There isn't a whole lot going on there. Might as well uh, turn into like a, a beer laboratory. All right, let's go. 10 craft Russian beers you must try. This nope. is from the people at the culture trip. <laughs> um, let's see. Despite being in a small town. Okay, beers to try. They're saying Jaws in Zarekni. Huh. Uh, oatmeal stout. It's a... Okay, so they make um, English pale ale, oatmeal stout, American pale ale. And seasonal small batches. Hmm. Balkan in St. Petersburg. Um, they're saying beers to try. Laughing Sam, a citrus filled American pale ale. Huh. Odna Tona in Zukovsky. Oh, they got cool labels. Very interesting. I'll send you this article so you can take a look. So I guess they do have some craft beer, but they don't have the kokanee of Russia to compare it to. I guess it's just not their thing, beer. Yeah, they, I mean, they just might have, you know, like you said, they're planning for... <laughs> imagine that's... Culturally, you have to start planning for different stuff, I guess. And, and then the weather, it's hot, right? Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, I mean, could you imagine just drinking vodka all day? Yeah. No, I couldn't. Yeah. And again, if they were, they're making Moscow mules, boom, I'm there. Ah. Now, Moscow, do they call them a Moscow mule or do they just call them a mule? Oh, very true. Call something else. Just a mule, I guess. Just yes. a mule. So I'm saying a lot of this is because of the, uh, the CO2 shortage. Oh, so they can't. So they can't get the carbonation there in like the taps. Wow. But I guess, you know, the good folks at InBev are probably just, you know, <laughs> Shipping in the bottles. <laughs> they could just pump in the car the uh the tailpipe fumes into the kegs and that'll carbonate. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. Who's <laughs> the chain smokers? I, I was listening to them one time and they were saying how effed up it was that they were in Russia and they were filling up these balloons out of the tailpipes of these cars and throwing them into the crowd. Oh my god! They're like, it was, it was so messed up. They were like, this shit you don't see anywhere else. They're like, yeah, we're just filling up these like beach balls with like, like exhaust fumes, and then if they break, I guess it's just getting everybody contact high. <laughs> they were like, they said it like, Jesus. and of course, like you know, they were they were ushered out. They said once they saw the, uh, they said they went out and I guess they went through one of the wrong doors and there was a loading dock and they were, that's where they were filling up these big these big balls that throw out to the crowd and they quickly rushed them out. Like, no, no, you can't see this here. Oof. They said it was pretty funny. Like just shit. You don't see like in a normal, you know, it's just like a, a different world, you know? Yeah. Right. Very funny. So in terms of world cup, um, I've only watched a few games. Well, unfortunately the one I watched was, uh, well, I watched the end of Portugal, Spain. That was really good. And then, that was an unbelievable game. That was friggin' Ronaldo is he, yeah, he really made his claim as like the best player in the world. I mean, he really showed up. I mean, he had that, you know, the penalty kick at first and the second goal was like the, the goalie really screwed up. I mean, he should have had that one. Yeah. Um, and then that third one, that freaking right at the very end of the game, that free kick where he bent it in like that. that. I mean, that was unreal. That was like a, that was like a video game goal. Yeah. 
bend it like Granada. That's right. Now, yeah, that was good. Um, Germany, Mexico. I was rooting for Germany, but Mexico played a good oh, game. That was brutal. That was. Yeah. I, I I am a German soccer fan, and I am to, a German soccer fan as well. Yeah, that first half they played so cocky and arrogant like they should have just we are here and we're going to win and you're going to let us win and to be very simple thank you very much goodbye i'll be to say in mexico they just uh, it was that was all yogi Lowe's fault he did not have them prepared he did not have them psychologically ready for that game they were busy wearing his uh almost skin tight shirt and trying to look with his 80s hair he's just such a sexy older gentleman you know like he just he just rocks it, but yeah, they they were not prepared for that game. They looked like just again very arrogant, no no sort of severity to their actions, just playing playing with the ball and not not forcing the not forcing it. So yeah, they're screwing around. Yeah, it was uh, it was disappointing to say the least. But you know, congrats to Mexico. I had not chose that afternoon as a celebratory <laughs> action. Celebratory. <laughs> Brazil Switzerland one one. That was a pretty good game. That was a big one. Yeah. Uh, England won, which I don't know if they're going to do their usual clean sheets going into the knockout round and then losing the first round. That's... uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Senegal beating Poland. I thought Poland was a pretty strong team, but Senegal, man, good for them. Yeah, they were strong. And Japan, they they took it to Colombia. Japan beating Colombia was gigantic. That's right. I mean, well, now the the big one, the big thing about that though was the um, the one guy from Colombia had a a red card in like the first like five minutes. Oh, right. So Japan was playing, uh, you know, well, Colombia was playing a man down for most of the game. Yeah, and it's not gonna. Yeah, help. but Japan, I thought was a pretty strong team from the last uh, World Cup. Or they were okay. But their women's yeah. team is really good. They were they played the U.S. in the final. I think. Uh, was it the last World Cup, I believe? Oh, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. And I think they beat the U.S. the time before, and then the last time uh, the U.S. won. So they're legit, but their men's team, is it's okay. But I yeah. don't think they're... Uh, kind of like our men's team. U.S. men's team is, yeah, they're, they're, they're a team, and then the yeah, women are just freaking phenomenal. Wait, the men, we have a team? <laughs> yeah, not men's. The yeah, women's team's awesome. phenomenal. Yeah. They are incredible. Yeah, I'll actually go out and root for women's. I actually saw a story where they were, it, it was kind of funny because you, you think about wearing um, one of your favorite player soccer jerseys. So the U.S. women are so popular that they said there's a lot of men that are actually getting women's soccer jerseys and wearing those out because to root for some of the great women soccer players. And, you know, it was, it was funny. Like the article was a discussion of like, you know, what's the, what's the man rule here? Is it usually, you know, and I think, you know, kind of at the end of the whole article they were talking about, they were like, you kind of wear the Jersey of whoever you want to root for. So it's kind of like, you know, um, you want to wear a Hope Solo Jersey? Go right ahead, Brian. (laughs) You have to wear the special Hope Solo shorts to to hold in your giant meaty vag. <laughs> I like Alex Morgan. She's my from the alleged photos. Exactly from the alleged photos. But yeah, so I think it's pretty interesting. I love seeing like the uh the really fat guy in, in like the regular regulation size like jersey of the of their they're all cut very slim, yeah. And uh yeah, it's, it's not a good look. Like wow, that would be like that player if he 
didn't take that shirt off and just ate for like days. That boy has bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when they show that like the history and you know, like the people who are uh, who are commentating. You know, they're usually all you know former players, and they'll show like Lawless from like '94 when he was in the U.S. team, and like. The, the big hair he had, the yeah. beard, and the goatee. But even to like just the cut of the uniforms, like back then it was like the big bulky jerseys, the yeah. big bulky like short shorts. And now it's like the jerseys are like skin tight. Yeah. And the short don't want are, anything catching. It's like aerodynamic or something. I don't know. Grab onto, I think, is the big thing. Yeah. 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 Lala's with the, uh, with the freaking sideshow Bob hair who's great. Sideshow Bob hair. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he uh well like those jerseys to the 94 ones, they were so ugly, the US ones. They were like that weird blue pattern that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I remember that was a I remember that was cool when it was here in the US. And you know, they just announced too this past week that the 2026 World Cup, which is the not the next one, the one after, is gonna be in the US, Canada, and Mexico which is pretty awesome. So that means guaranteed the U S is going to make it because the host is always, is always, always. Do they get a pass? I guess. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like I talked to a few other people. I'm like, so what does that mean? Does that mean all three countries get in? I don't think anybody really gets a pass, but I think they might get, if you're the host, you're automatically in. Russia's in. Yeah, but that's usually they pay somebody off. Like look at, Dude, uh, it's going to be in Qatar next next uh, World Fair Cup, up. and they paid. I think that that was the whole scandal with the um, with the with the FIFA. Is <laughs> it was like a hundred ten million dollar payoffs is is all they caught them, but there was a ton of payoffs that went to get that. But I don't I don't know if Qatar is going to be in it. They're like, oh, awesome! We get to pay play in one hundred and thirty degrees. Can't wait. Yeah, sign me up. They're like, no, no, we're not playing. We're just going to watch you sweat and die and play in our heat. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah that's interesting. So, yeah, so the games have been pretty, um, pretty interesting so far. You know, it's always been, uh, you know, there's always like some funky upsets and, and funky things happening. I know I, I really enjoyed watching that Argentina-Iceland game where, you know, they were talking about, you know, Messi and how he's, you know, the best player, blah, blah, blah. And it was right after the day after the Ronaldo performance. And it was almost like the two had the exact same opportunities and Messi blew them all while Ronaldo capitalized on all of them. So that, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if it's something about playing for Argentina or the players around him, but he just can't, can't get it done playing for Argentina. It's it's always interesting to see. But that was a fun game because Iceland, they were saying, I mean, there's 340,000 people in the whole country. Wow. It's the smallest country to ever qualify. And most of the players, they're all like part-time. Like, they're not even full-time players. It's like they're, box lacrosse, like indoor well, box lacrosse. Like, yeah, I just came from work to play professional lacrosse. Well, dude, the goalie, the goalie from Iceland, he's like a film, like a film editor. Oh, wow. And he fucking stopped Messi on a penalty kick. Right. In your face, Messi. Yeah. How crazy is that? And it was funny when they were showing the lineup, every single last name ended in SSON. Every (sighs) single player. So they were, they're fun. They had that crazy ass, like thunderclap that they talk about, you know, they do. Like that, like Viking Viking chant. Yeah. So that's been fun. And you know what? I, I, 
I, I do almost like, and again, this is very sexist and I'm sure someone's going to be offended by it. I hope you're offended. Just keep on podcast at gmail.com if you are. <laughs> um, I do like the, uh, the chick method when I root for teams. I do like the, uh, you know, like I like their uniforms or whatever, but, but my thing is like, I root for teams that have better skiing. So like, obviously I'm rooting for Switzerland. Oh, but, there you go. Well, Germany's my team, obviously, but then I'll root for Switzerland. I'll root for Argentina. Um, I don't think Chile's in it. Sweden. Sweden, I guess they have okay skiing. Um, Iceland, because it has ice in the name. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, I'd give them a pass. Yeah. Um, who else do we have? That's like a, a skiing country. I guess the Ukraine. Australia. Then does Uruguay have skiing? Because they're right next to Argentina, but I think they're two. I think they're on the east coast, so I don't think they have the mountains. How about that Russia? The, they have skiing. Russia does. I guess I have to root for Russia. Oh, I can't root for Russia because they got tough. Putin. Australia. Australia. They yeah. sort of have skiing. France. I, think well, I can't, has, I can't root for France. I'm sorry. I just can't. <laughs> I I hate them. Serbia has uh, skiing, don't they? Serbia. I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they were is um. No, Bosnia is where Sarajevo was. I think Iran has skiing as well. Dude, Iran's supposed to have some legit skiing. Mm-hmm. So we could do a um, a bracket of the ski countries, how they do in the World Cup. Yeah. Saudi Arabia, not a lot of skiing. Not a lot of skiing. Not rooting for them. Not rooting for them. And again, they lost 5 nothing to Russia their first game. So <laughs> <laughs> I think they're kind of not isn't, it, isn't it convenient too how Russia got like the easiest bracket like ever, uh, like ever in the history of like the World Cup? It, they're like they keep cheating at everything. It's like no wonder, you know. What it's else what are you they, cheating? What they do? That's what they do. So I just I I, I was looking up um, Cotter because I was trying to or Qatar, however you say it. Cotter, um, I think it's pronounced. They say Cotter, but I think that's the Americanized. I so welcome Qatar. back. Welcome back. Cotter. Yeah, welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> oh, that's going to be the slogan for the World Cup. Welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> oh, it's genius. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> well, yes, there'll definitely be some sweat hogs. At the, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Like 120 degree weather. Um, they actually said in Cotter, it's an offense to drink alcohol. So now the World Cup is running out of alcohol. They're running out of beer. So what's going to go down in Qatar or Qatar? So you're telling me they're going to have it, it, England yes. is going to be there and they're not going to allow them to have beer. I, they're probably going to make an exception. I imagine they're going to have to. But I just think it's funny. They're like, that's their rules. And they have other rules too, about, I think, um, I think women are supposed to cover their face and not so I don't know. Sometimes they'll oh, Jesus, you and your make exceptions or dirt yeah. sand religion. Like stop. <laughs> like fucking evolve, people. Yeah. Hey, it's the World Cup. You gotta do things World Cup like, otherwise you can't have it. That's I think they should have put stipulations on it, but money I don't know. they 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 could pay the bill. They could pay for the uh, the fee to apply. So. <laughs> I wanna see the Pennsylvania Dutch get the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Lancaster <laughs> County is hosting the World Cup. <laughs> Fucking great. Like lamps, <laughs> no goddamn zippers in the whole stadium. It would be awesome. <laughs> uh, All right. So, any other final World Cup thoughts? Now we'll see. Are you picking? Uh, do you want to pick who's going to be uh, the winner? 
I'm still sticking with Germany. I think we still got two weeks. It ends uh, July 15th. Yeah. We got a ways. Three Wait weeks till the knockout round. Yeah. Because this round, this is the round robin. It'll go till it goes to 628. So it's the end of the month. Yeah. And then, they, and then we'll pick a bracket from there. Sounds good. So, yeah. If you want to send us any thoughts, skimonpodcast at gmail.com. Under the ropes. First up, so this just came out today. Well, I guess if you're, depends if you're listening to this, we're recording it on Wednesday, the 20th. The, uh, the new Creed 2 trailer came out, the, uh, the movie the sequel to the Creed spinoff of the Rocky series about Apollo Creed's son. And they, uh, they released the trailer and it's going to be Apollo Creed's son against Ivan Drago's son. Wow. In Creed Two, now I am such a douchebag that I got like goosebumps watching it because Rocky Four, when I was a kid, was like one of my favorite movies ever. That was and, on last week on uh, TBS, I think. I watched it. I mean, the whole part in the beginning with the robot and everything is kind of terrible, but yeah. like the other parts of it, I mean, like the training and everything in Russia, like I fucking love that. And uh, now we're gonna have. Creed 2, which is going to have Apollo's son against Ivan Drago's son, and Dolph Lundgren is in the movie, which Whoa. I am psyched about. Nice. And uh, did you see the dude who plays Drago, like the young Drago? No, I saw the... Uh, they, they didn't show it in the trailer. I watched the trailer and I was waiting to see. Yeah, they're kind of not showing him, but he is fucking jacked. <laughs> like, ridiculously jacked. I love the whole con- like. So it's nice to have the concept. I, I just like I said, I just watched Rocky Four, and I'm mm. glad they didn't try to do an add-on to like after Rocky Four because that was pretty bad. <laughs> so let's just keep it at Rocky Four. Um, well, they made like two other Rocky movies after that. Yeah, they were pretty bad with Tommy. Five Gunn was ones. awful. Six was actually okay when he was like kind of like old and. I don't know if I saw six. It was called Rocky Balboa. Yeah, I didn't see that one. It was just kind of depressing and like Adrian was dead and it was just... Five was so bad, it just couldn't get me back on. Five, and I saw Creed and that was right. Five could have been one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah. Five was it was bad. really bad. One and two were great. Three was great. Four was great. I mean, one through four were good movies. They were really good, yeah. And five was just so bad. Yeah. Like so, so bad. But six was like, it was almost like the original one. You know, it was like just very dark and very, you know, kind of kind of depressing and, you know, kind of trying to try to figure out where you are in the world and how to how to get by because he lost everything at that point. Yeah, this is weird. But it's cool that the spinoff is actually working. I like the Bill Burr comments to Philadelphia about creating the monument to him. That's (laughs) what I think about every time. now. Yeah, right. It's like your hero is Rocky Balboa. The only reason he won is because that's how the script was written. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Really, you always keep me laughing. Yep. Um, no, so how do you think it's going to end up? Like, I don't know. They're, they're building up Creed a lot. Like, what happens if he dies in this movie? Too? That'd be messed up. Well, that would, yeah, this, is, this could be like the next Fast and the Furious, where there's going to be like just 30 different movies. I think they should Game of Thrones it. 
they just they kill off Creed and then Game of Gloves. Game of Gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have somebody else come out of the woodworks. Maybe he's got another son. I don't know. A twin a twin brother that you don't know about. Oh, maybe comes, maybe he comes like MMA, like he does like UFC. Oh, that'd be cool. He goes from boxing to UFC. Yeah. Perhaps. There you go. Right? That's it. Spin it up. Or or you know what they gotta do is they gotta do the uh where it ends where he goes to the hospital and he might die. You know what I mean? And then there's a rematch. That's how that's how Rocky, you know, the one and two ended up so good because it was like the end of one led right. You want to see two. What happens next? You know? Yeah. The way it ended. Well, that was sort of two before like there were really a lot of sequels. Yeah. You know, like that era there really wasn't there wasn't a thing. Jack Furious, what are we up to now? I don't know. Out of what? Fast and Furious, what are we up to? Ten? There's at least eight. I guarantee you we're going to see a new one every, every two years for the rest of our I lives. Think they, I think they come out with one every time they come out with a new iPhone version. Well, the key is they, they got to have like Vin Diesel's kid now, like be in it. And he's like, yo, I just got to be like my dad, bro. It's a race. It's a quarter of a mile too, you know? And like, they just, so they will kill off the older people and just bring in the new generation. <laughs> they have a television series. Fast and Furious? They have short films. Whoa, Wikipedia has all this stuff on there. Short films. <laughs> Spinoff, Hobbs and Shaw. I have no idea what that is. Is that like Crockett and Tubbs? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So they have nine main series films. There's nine already. Wow. That's it. Well, it's or, they brought, they brought the, no, there's a placeholder for nine. That's okay. coming out soon. Well, like they brought the rock in. Like he became like part of it now. Yeah, they just keep adding people, and they keep and people die in real life, like Paul dude, Walker. They asked us to be in it. We're we're going to be in it. That thing is a money making machine, dude. Imagine us driving like a hooked up snowcat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could have snowcat like jumping with the snowcat. That's what I want to do. Snowcat's got Nas, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running, right. I'm running nine second quarter miles in my snowcat. Awesome. high foot and ski bums on Fast and Furious. That'd be a great. Great uh, spot for us. Fast falutin ski bumps. Fast falutin ski bumps. We'll have like a, a snowcat drag racing uh, cartel that we're running on a ski mountain. <laughs> Listen, that's not any more ridiculous than the plot of any of those fucking movies. <laughs> the plot. We're, we're like big drug runners. We're weed runners that go across the border from Canada into the U.S. on a on a ski mountain, and we run these these drag snowcats. I don't think this is really snow, bro. It's <laughs> <is> cocaine. <laughs> Drag snow cats. And then at night we have like snow cat, like illegal snow cat races and <laughs> snowmobile races. That'd be kind of cool. I think, I think we could hook up a, I'm going to have to submit the script. I'm going to write the script this weekend. Like I, like <laughs> I said, serious. It doesn't take that long. Like I said, it's not even remotely as ridiculous as the plot of the real movies. So, you know, we could be on to something. We really could. Yep. We'll collaborate with the uh, the writers. Unless they're listening, they're going to steal our idea. That's fine, too. Just give us some kind of credit. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Next up. All right, so next up, we got Paris Hilton. Her dad, her mogul father, is going to sell a mansion for $38 million in cryptocurrency. So um, Rick Hilton, chairman of Hilton and Highland, father of the of Paris Hilton, is selling uh, their Palazzetto mansion through a cryptocurrency 
auction. So I believe it's Palazzo. Uh, oh, it's Palazzetto. Okay. You're right. I'm sorry. Ah, look at that. Um, so they're saying it's pretty hooked up place, man. Um, well, they are charging $38 million for it. I would assume it would be somewhat hooked up. It's a 16th century century mansion located in Rome. 11 bedrooms. Yeah, I, I don't like bedrooms. anything before the 17th century myself. Yeah. It looks 16th. like a, it looks like they're buying a museum. <laughs> it really does. Oh, bidder registration. Let's register. You got Bitcoins. Come on, man. I, uh, I think I'm a little bit short to purchase a, a Palazzo. I could put it, I could put a bid. I don't think it'll be accepted, but I could yeah. say that I was a bidder on that Palazzetto. <laughs> so anyway, um, so they partnered with an international real estate crypto platform uh, called Property to host the event. And they're going to do an auction on June 28th, which is coming up. So you got to get your cryptocurrency in order, make sure you transfer stuff to your wallet so that you're able to bid. Um, so it's, it's really going to go down. I like the, uh, I like the sound of that. It's pretty cool. You know, like it's, remember there was a, was it maybe like two years ago? We, uh, we had a story about that Bitcoin convention. I think it was in like in the, maybe the Czech Republic where they had like a vending machine that only accepted Bitcoin. I think it was like Red Bull, like a Red Bull machine or something. Oh, nice. And that was like, oh, that's kind of cool and novel. And now you're seeing like people, that was just like a, like a hacker convention. And now you're like seeing like people like the Hilton family starting yeah. to purchase or sell their properties with, with Bitcoin. Like that's, things have, have progressed very quickly in the last two years. And I think it's only going to get more prominent, more use, more people are going to be, are going to start using it. It's, it's going to get nutty in the next couple of years. You know, it'd be great. You can only bid in Bitcoins. In Bitcoins, right? Be like, I, Oscar Mayer Bitcoins. Like $38 million worth of bacon. We got duped. We have so much Bitcoin now. That'd be awesome. We're trading in for bacon. <laughs> Um, so they're saying you could bid in U.S. dollars or crypto. What is crypto? That's another cryptocurrency. But well, no, it's just the generic term for any all the cryptocurrencies. Oh. So they take anything. You could take Doge they coins take, and I, I, I doubt some, that. I doubt that. I doubt that. Oh, yeah. there, if you go to Coin Market Cap, you'll see there's like there's like a thousand different cryptocurrencies, and most of them are all just stupid. Garbage. It was I'm like surprised. I'm surprised they didn't create their own proppy coin. Well, look at freaking um, Rodman when he was over for the um, the, the talk between Putin, not Putin, um, Kim Jong Un. Yeah, he, he was sponsored by Potcoin. Potcoin wow. paid him to go over there, and he had the freaking Potcoin.com low, you know, URL on his T-shirt. Imagine if they can exclusively only take Potcoin bids. Well, they're saying that there's another one. There's a couple different dog is just bought the mansion. <laughs> there's a couple of weed coins, but uh, they're saying that one of the things that they, you know, if, if these different, um, different, you know, dispensaries and shops can't accept us currency and it, you know, they could accept this, this, you know, pot coin. And then like, if you use, it's almost like a loyalty coin though, you know, so you use, use it a couple times. And after like maybe a hundred of them, you get like 10, 10 coins for free or something. 
Yeah, well. So, I mean, you could use it as a currency, but it's not as as valuable outside. Like, how many people? Like, how it's probably very hard to convert um, pot coin to U.S. dollars. You probably have to convert to Bitcoin first, and then to U.S. dollars. So, it almost be used more like like supermarket reward points or something, or like credit card reward points. Right. So, yeah, yeah cryptocurrency is uh it's it's uh it's it's becoming a very interesting very hot space so yeah you know, i'm we're keeping tabs on it that's because we're high highfalu- that's the highfalutin part of us you know that's how you be yeah that's how you gotta be that's right if it was popcorn only snoop dogg just bought a mansion <laughs> <laughs> only one that has enough popcorn to uh to bid on listen crazier things have happened right that's awesome so here's a cool story as someone who wears eyeglasses so you can see anything, there is a uh, new eye drops could repair corneas, making glasses unnecessary. Nice. Uh, so um, the Shara Zadek Metal- Medical Center and Bar Elan University ophthalmologist has invented and patented nano drops, which when placed on pigs' corneas have produced improvements in short-sightedness and long-sightedness. Hmm. They improve vision in humans when clinical testing is carried out later this year. The nanoparticle solution could eliminate <laughs> the need for eyeglasses, Dr. David Smaja said on Wednesday. He was one of the speakers at Shara Zadek's second biennial research day held in the Jerusalem Medical Center's Steinberg Auditorium and attended by some of its 350 physicians and nurses. Uh, They said they could revolutionize ophthalmology and optometry treatment of patients with myopia, nearsightedness, hyperopia, farsightedness, and other refractory refractory conditions. There are even ways to use nanodrops to replace multifocal lenses so that people could see objects from various distances. Jeez. This is... I am trying to even wrap my head around that. So if you do have that that problem where you're either myopic or hyperopic, this is how you say it. Like, what is actually the problem? Is it like there's damage to your cornea? I guess it says, but I uh, I don't quite understand how the drops would fix it. Yeah. Okay, this is weird now. Okay, patients would open an application on their smartphone, measure their eye refraction at home, create a laser pattern, and then laser corneal stamping of an optical pattern onto the corneal surface of their eyes. What? You do that at home? (laughs) I guess somehow use your phone to measure your eye refraction. Oh, what, if, so. what if your fucking phone like shuts down when you're doing that and you get you dude i don't fucking trust apple at all man <laughs> i would not trust my smartphone for my eyes those fuckers <laughs> killed my phone this week have you seen that new oppo phone <laughs> no it has like a instead of having like the selfie camera in the front it actually the camera like it like pops up oh really that's pretty cool the oppo find x it's called really sidetrack story Pretty cool. Yeah, they're like a really high-end audio company. And they're making a phone now. But yeah, total sidetrack there. But yeah, uh, this um Yeah, I wouldn't trust the people the geniuses at Apple to fix my eyes. <laughs> fix my goddamn battery on my 
phone. Thanks, assholes, by the way. So these, I guess, yeah, you <laughs> Sorry, can, digress. So you can use an app and these drops to fix your vision. That's wild. That is so. so does it crazy. tell you how many drops to put in? Is that what it is? I don't. I don't think it does. So, Do not say how often the drops would have to be applied to replace eyeglasses. So I guess. Yeah, I mean, it must. I guess it doesn't actually fix the problem. Is it kind of just like creates a, a solution? Yeah, it creates whatever sort of filling, the um, you know, whatever the refraction is on your regular eyeglass lenses, it would just have that in the drop form temporarily. I guess. Pretty wild. It's very cool. Huh. But how do you see out of pig eyes? That's what. <laughs> mm, that's true. Hey guys, <clears throat> that's pretty interesting. Yeah, pretty soon it'll all be a thing of the past wearing glasses, right? I hope so. I hope so because my eyes are getting worse and worse. I would still get a pair of like frames and just wear them, so I look smart, smart, and smart. All right. Um, next up, I have an article that is closed off to me now that. Uh, this is the last little, story of the day, right? Yeah, and I'm a little pissed off that they closed it off now. They want a subscription, and I'm like, fuck that. Oh, boy. Subscribing. <laughs> I don't do this. I don't subscribe to this stuff. Um, let's see. See if I can get the free version. Just Google the title, and you should be able to find it. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much that's what happened. Uh, but then it leads you back to the same article, and let's see if it's going to... Still block me. They cookied me. Sons of bitches. So I'm not even going to talk about the article. How about that? <laughs> I think I'm going to just keep it at pig eyes. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. All right. Maybe this is a different one. This is about. No, this is an older one. Yeah. Anyway, they just came out with an article about um, are we, is it, is it stupid to, to ignore sliding IQs? So it, it was actually talking about how IQs in um, younger adults in general are sliding versus what they would be compared to for the past. Like, you know, not older adults, but like people at their age, you know, years ago. So it was a pretty interesting concept. And I think, you know, I don't know. I've seen some pretty stupid people. I think they are getting more stupid. So I just don't know. Scientifically, I guess they did some studies to figure that out. But um, they're saying uh, there's another article that I actually have here. And they're talking about IQs are falling. And now it's become cool to act stupid. So they're saying young adults are not as smart as their parents. Uh, but the latest trend seems to show that um, not only are they are the IQs falling, but um, it's kind of become cool to be like a dumbass. So I guess while it was cool to be like a nerd, now you're going to have the flip side of that. And I think we're going to get into idiocracy. It's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. This seems like just some old angry person who no one wants to fuck just getting pissed off and being like, oh, everyone who's young is stupid. All they do is just post pictures of their butts on Instagram. 
I don't know. I, don't I think, know, I think, I think it's, it's. I think it's going in both. I think it's. I think it's not mutually exclusive. I think you can. We're getting dumber, but also smarter. There's less middle middle ground anymore. I would say it's related just to young kids. I think everybody's getting stupider. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I, I think problem is people work too much. We spend too much time at jobs that we all hate and don't really give a shit about, and not focusing on things that we really want to do and get good at, and. You, like watching you, Fast and the Furious. Like we should have watched all eight Fast and Furious today. That would have been a feat. Um, we probably would have just had to nail our lips into the wall at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I, I think we 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 sh- uh, you know so a lot of social media. Series. That's a movie series. Well, I think it's part of a, a the death knell of TV is that they're they're showing so much stupidity. Because yeah. they think it's getting ratings, and people—I'm sure a lot of people do still watch it for like the gag factor, or the, you know, to laugh at people. But it, it's there's so many brilliant people out there doing so many amazing things that it they kind of go under the radar because the spotlight and all the the media is on the stupid stuff. Yeah, um, actually, wait till your kids start watching some of the modern kid shows on like. Uh, Nickelodeon and uh, Comedy Central, you'll be like, "Wow, these are really stupid shows." But yeah, I'm gonna life. take I'm gonna take him hunting and skiing. We're gonna <laughs> Rick and Morty. Yeah, there you go. We're gonna a lot of kids now watch. Um, was my nephew watching? I'm just like he's just getting more, and uh, it's just not good for him. Um, but he watches um on YouTube. He's watching all this stuff that is just like little clips. He watches a lot of Vine stuff, which is like seconds and they're just kind of it's like flashes of stuff that you can't really concentrate on for a super while. super ADD like, right yeah I think it fosters ADD I mean that's mm-hmm. that's part of it I mean there's no continual stream of thought it's like hey let's, let's look at this one thing and then let's jump to something else and while that's entertaining I don't think it's good to do all the time I don't know I think part of it too is that you, you really don't have anything you're focusing on like if you really were into a particular topic or subject you would spend more time and wouldn't wouldn't it wouldn't be a chore to watch a longer form version of of that right. but it's probably just yeah i'm bored i'll just watch a couple of these quick clips you know just to yeah. kill the time but you know if you were like really into you know cooking you'd watch like a three-hour video about someone making something or if you know you were into you know again skiing you'd watch a long you know ski expedition but yeah, if you're just killing time and bored and that's part of it too, I'm sure like school sucks and things are boring and people want to do doing things they they're not doing at that time. So they just kind of need an escape. Apocalypse. No, it's always there. Wait for everybody. No. Oh, it's so great. One, two and three. The soundtrack yeah. of the first one is just, it's perfection. You gotta watch the trilogy <laughs> back to back to back. Yeah. I think that's how I'm going to kick off the ski season this year. Nice. Start with apocalypse now. I think three weeks. We're gonna have like a we're gonna have like a, a ski film festival. <laughs> That's it. Have to have the, uh, the what to watch and what night, and then we'll we'll talk about it on the podcast. That's right. Like that idea. We should do like a um like a YouTube live and have like a live viewing party. Oh, that would work. We get like a bunch of people and like watch it all together and make do like a just make some comments. That'd be cool, especially with the pop-ups. No, because there's no copyright on that. That's true. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about getting Nobody's taking credit for that. 
Nobody wants that anymore. Yeah, like instead of like Mystery Science Theater 3000, we're going to call it Mystery Ski Podcast 4000. Dude, that'd be awesome. Right? We should find that for like early, uh, like the fall, like October or so. Watching parties. I like it. All right, man. And that wraps it up for the week. That does. Yes. So thank you everyone so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out. Skibumpodcast.com. Check out all the socials. Twitter.com slash Podcast, Facebook.com slash Podcast, Instagram.com slash Podcast. We are the Highfalutins on Pinterest. And also we are on SoundCloud, Highfalutin-Skibum. Thank you again for listening. And we will see you guys next week. Have a good See ya.